of all the Beatitudes, most of the Beatitudes are about 12 words long in English. But this Beatitude that we look at, if you take the whole thing, it's, it's about 60 words. Jesus has a lot to say about the Beatitude that we're going to look at today. I've just got the first part up on the slide, but if you've got your Bibles, come with me to Matthew chapter 5, 10, 11, 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then I'll read, although it's not on your slide. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus speaks a whole lot about persecution. The New Testament speaks a whole lot about persecution. I trust today that we will get a biblical worldview on persecution. We, we live in an age of great political correctness where we have to be so careful as to what we say, lest we hurt somebody. And my concern is, because of that, we start to move into a place where we are unwilling to speak and unwilling to take a hit for the kingdom and for Jesus. I believe, I didn't make this up, somebody else said it, but the more you live the first seven Beatitudes, the more you will experience the eighth. The more you are all in for Jesus, the more you will experience the last one. When we think about persecution, there's a whole spectrum. We've all got opinions, perspectives, experiences. From the subtle, the exclusion, to the systemic, the bias that we see in, in media, to the restricted nations where there is massive systemic oppression of believers. The great Dallas Willard said the following. He said, let's stop counting Christians and let's start weighing Christians. <laughs> Once I heard that, I couldn't forget. <laughs> let's stop counting Christians and let's start weighing Christians. What is the substance of our life? And are we willing to give our all even in the face of opposition and persecution? You know, Jesus calls us to have a different value system. Paul in Philippians chapter 3 says that he counts everything a loss compared to the worth, compared to the value of knowing Christ Jesus. And then he says, I want to know Christ. And we all say, amen, we want to know Jesus. And then he says, and the power of his resurrection. And we all go, power, amen, bring the power. And then he says, and share in his sufferings. And the room goes quiet. 
our value system needs an upgrade. Our perspective on suffering for Jesus, not suffering for nothing, but our perspective on suffering for Jesus needs to change. In Acts chapter 5, verse 41, the disciples have just been flogged. When, when I grew up, and I can see I'm older than most of you, um, when you did something bad, the police still had um, the lat, they still had the whip. I don't know if some of you know this. And uh, to be caught by the police and to be whipped by the police was something I remember as a teenager we were terrified of. And here in the previous verse, the disciples are flogged. They are beaten. Acts 5 verse 41, and it says, after that, they left the council chambers rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. The way we see things needs to change. Our value system needs an upgrade. The early disciples came out rejoicing, rejoicing that they had suffered with Jesus. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you're saying you are all in for Jesus, then you're part of that everyone. And there will be some suffering that follows in following after him. 1 John 3 verse 13 says, Do not be surprised, brothers, if the world hates you. And MacArthur says, Every faithful believer will have some resistance and ridicule from the world, while others for God's purposes will endure extreme suffering. Our international leader devotes a whole chapter, and it's the last chapter of his book, to the issue of suffering. And our Every Nation Church in the Middle East, they got together at one of their last conferences. And because they're in the Middle East and because of the oppression, they got together and they said, what does the word of God say? And in Pastor Steve's book, 100 Years From Now, last chapter, this was their teaching from Scripture. Simple as this, 10 points. Persecution was common in the New Testament. Persecution followed preaching the gospel. Persecution came from religious and from civil authorities. Persecution often involved imprisonment. Persecution was often violent. Persecution sometimes resulted in death. But persecution accelerated the spread of the gospel. Persecution prompted prayers for boldness, not prayers for protection. Persecution resulted in rejoicing. And persecution never stopped or hindered the mission of the church. Today we see persecution as abnormal or as unfair. The early church saw it as normal and unavoidable. I want you to consider the early disciples. We go through them. James was beheaded. Philip was scourged, thrown into prison and then crucified. Matthew was slain with a sword. James the lesser was stoned to death. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down at his own request. Andrew, Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot were crucified. Andrew left hanging on the cross for three days. 
Bartholomew was beaten with clubs, filleted alive and crucified. Thomas was speared to death. And John, they tried to kill. They put him in a pot, tried to boil him. And in the end, he was exiled to an island called Patmos. I believe persecution can be avoided. And you know how you avoid it? By stealing the glory. But when people look at you and go like, wow, you're so nice. You know, you're such an amazing person. You go, yeah, it's just, well, what can I say? <laughs> Instead of saying, Jesus has touched my life. Instead of talking about the one who has come into your world and changed you and, and whatever goodness and greatness and glory and shine that is upon you is because of Jesus. So I think you can avoid persecution if you want to, but it involves you hiding your light and involves you taking the glory that should be given to him. You know, when Paul was challenged in 2 Corinthians in terms of whether he really was an apostle, he didn't talk about how many people he'd raised from the dead. He didn't talk about how many people he'd led to Jesus. You know what he did? He defends his apostolicity by his sufferings. 2 Corinthians 11, he says, are they servants of Christ? He says, I speak as if insane. He's basically saying, look, I shouldn't have to defend myself. I shouldn't, I shouldn't go there. He says, I'm also in far more labors in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received the Jews' 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Paul defends the fact that he's all in for God by saying, I've been willing to suffer and I have suffered. Let me challenge your viewpoint and, and I've been challenged here as well, so... We need to see persecution from a biblical standpoint. And that is that persecution is a gift. 1 Peter 4. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Rejoice now because then you'll rejoice even more when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So let me tell you how persecution is a gift. Five points. Firstly, it authenticates our relationship with God. Now the primary way that our relationship with God is authenticated is by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, where we know that we are His sons. Where the Spirit cries out, Abba, Father, and, and we know that we are sons, of the, sons and daughters of the Most High. But I believe the second most important way is that people are seeing something in us and either they're being drawn or they're being repelled because of the state of their heart. And as a consequence of that, they are rejecting us or they're accepting Christ. In other words, persecution, I believe, is the second most important way to authenticate our relationship with God. Secondly, it refines our soul. So recently I changed my running. I used to run with this incredible bunch of guys in the church, great friends on rare occasions. I'll, I'll run with them still. 
But I decided to put myself out there and, uh, and evangelize. Now, as a pastor, you may think all we do is evangelize, but <laughs> um, I was finding that my evangelism was always like an asymmetrical power relationship, you know? So I was evangelizing to garage attendants or waiters or waitresses, you know? And like they want the tips, so they'll listen. You know what I mean? Just, it's not, it's not as real. It's not as real. So I started to run with this... Um, Real kind of upper class running crew. What's what's the fancy neighborhood here? Erinvale. I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know. You're not going to try. Anyway, so it's all these CEOs and actuaries and chartered accountants. Some running with them, and um, and I'm trusting God every single run to share Jesus on the run, every single run, and um, and I've got great testimonies to tell you about it. But the first couple of times, so we're running, and they said to me. So what do you do, you know? I'm a pastor. Instantly, the group just disperses. Some start running away ahead of me. (laughs) And a whole lot of people start, like, just pulling back. And I'm like, what did I say? (laughs) And it refined my soul. It refined my soul. I mean, all of us love to be loved. All of us want to be received. All of us like it when people like us. But are we willing to put ourselves out there for Jesus? Are we willing to have the dross of man-pleasing burnt out and have in us just the gold of being someone who loves God? The story continues, and um, now this isn't so much about persecution, but I've got better at it now. So now when they say to me, so what do you do? I'll be like, well, I've had a bimodal career. I've done two things in my life. And uh, you know, I qualified as a chartered accountant and I started a business. And, but all along I had this burning thing in my heart for, to touch people's lives. And I, I draw them in. So by the time, you know, I finally tell them, and I'm a pastor. <laughs> We've already been in conversation for about seven minutes. And then I say, and can I pray for you? And anyway, but are we willing, are we willing to put ourselves out there for Jesus? And for me, it was so good. It was so refining in terms of any fear of man that I'd be willing to speak about him and speak about him irrespective of what people say or what people do. Thirdly, persecution brings or builds greater reliance on God. It causes us to push closer to him. You need him when you suffer persecution. Your emotions that rejection, what you go through, the power that you need as you are putting yourself out there. So I find in my life, persecution has caused me to rely more on God. And isn't that a great thing? That you live a life that isn't self-reliant, but that is reliant on God. Persecution also cuts away our distractions and increases our readiness. I find that it has molded me and made me less dull, made me more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And lastly, persecution is a gift because it brings great reward. You know, one day when I sit on the stoop and I'm about to go to glory, or when I get to glory, I want to I hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to get to glory and, and not be like just like you scraped in just by the grace of God? 
But don't you want to be a man or woman who God says, you have used your life well. You have stewarded your opportunities and your relationship and your time well. So salvation is through Jesus at great cost. But beyond that, there's different gifts and different rewards, and you can study this in Scripture yourself, according to what you have done with your life. And I look forward to the reward of being all in for Jesus and having suffered for him and having used what I've got to the glory of God, irrespective of how people have responded. So the reasons for persecution. Why are we persecuted? Now, at at its deepest core, we are persecuted because we are looking like Jesus. We are sounding like Jesus. And I already mentioned to you, if if you want to avoid persecution, just, just never speak out. Just never speak about him. This was my experience in my corporate business career. When I was a junior article clerk as a trainee accountant, I felt the pressure that I was too junior in the organization to share Jesus. I did, but I felt massive pressure. I was too junior. And then when I was in middle management, somehow it was like now more responsible, you know? So, so now you can't really share. And I'm closer to the, to the top, you know? But I did share. And then when I was serving on listed boards and psycho main board, I felt the pressure of now I'm the, in the most responsible senior position. So now I can't share. And it's just a devilish plot <laughs> that no matter where you are, he's telling you that you can't share. <laughs> so the primary reason that we get persecuted is because we speak of the one that we love. If you consider the world, I mean, they tell you what they love. On Monday morning, they are telling you <laughs> what they did and what they love. And on Friday, they're telling you what they're going to do and what they love. And we go, oh, that's nice. Would we be people who speak of the one who loves us and we love? Would we get better at just, when people say, how was your week? And we say, wow, went to church and God's so touched my life. Or in connect group, we prayed for this person. Or you know, this is how God has saved my marriage. This is how God came through in my finances. Would we be willing to speak and to glorify him? Would we be willing to tell of him? Would we be willing to tell of the one that we love? Secondly, the reason for persecution is the way that we live. Bachelor's parties. I don't know what they're like down here. Maybe you don't go to bachelor's parties. There are things that as believers we cannot partake in. Full stop. And we need to be willing to take the hit. We need to be people of a different spirit. When we do those things, it brings conviction and people don't like it. And we need to be willing to suffer that persecution. And some things we can't participate in. Some things we just need to walk out the room or walk out the cinema or walk out the restaurant or walk out of the whatever. And be willing to take the persecution that comes. Sometimes it's simply because of the Lord that we love that we are leaking Jesus (laughs) and people in their darkness can sense it. So they hardly know us, but there is a resistance in them because they love darkness and they can just sense who we are. And I can tell you stories about that, but I'm not gonna do for the sake of time. Luke 6 verse 22 says, blessed are you 
when men hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. You know, sometimes the persecution can be very subtle exclusion and quite minor, like on the running crew. Sometimes it moves to verbal insults. People talk about us. We boskak, we whatever, you know. Sometimes to our face, sometimes behind our back. In many places it moves to physical assault. One of the most unreported pieces of news around the world today is the persecution of Christians. Um, because the world doesn't want to report it. It's not news to them. There's so many other things that are important to them. But the persecution of Christians is massive and the most unreported thing. False accusation in parts of the West today, Britain, Canada, a number of other countries, there is systemic prejudice and intolerance. And it's very hard in terms of what families go through. And you can read it up yourself. What is our response The human response is to fold and to withdraw and to deny. Like Peter and Jesus says to him, before the rooster crows three times, you'll deny me. A human response is to be awkward and to be embarrassed and to be ashamed of Jesus. And the world wants to put that on us. The world wants us to to feel embarrassed about the Lord. Wants to make us feel awkward and wants to make us hide the fact that we love Jesus. And I pray that you would not go down that path, that you would not be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salvation, that you would not be ashamed of the one who loves you. If you're a fighter, you might react and you might resent and you might fight back, and that's not the approach either. And we don't argue people into the kingdom of God. (laughs) We come with gentleness. Pastor Steve Mill was telling me, and I forget the guy's name, he's a great Christian apologist. His approach in terms of Christian apologetics and sharing the faith is he will listen to the other side and he will keep talking to the person until he has crystallized and really understood the point of what they are saying. And then he will say, well, this is what I believe and this is what you believe. And just let the word and the Holy Spirit bring conviction. But we don't need to react, and we, need, we don't need to get angry, and we don't need to take revenge. The godly response is to rejoice. <laughs> it is to celebrate that we are, we've been judged worthy to, to walk as Jesus walked. When I was a young believer, they quickly got me to start running a connect group. I was about 19 years old, and uh, my first connect group or life group was me and the 16-year-old. He got baptized, and when he got baptized, as he was about to get baptized, the pastor said, why do you want to get baptized? And he said, I just want to be a little Jesus. And the crowd went silent. It was a very, it was a very like conservative Pentecostal church. It was like, has he just spoken heresy? You know? <laughs> and then the pastor got up and he said, that's exactly right. <laughs> We're all meant to be a little Jesus. We're all meant to reflect him. And Jesus suffered, and so we should be willing to suffer. God, your response is to love your enemies, is to see past the pain and the hurt and the anger and the darkness and and see the person for who they really are and see who they're meant to be. Godly response is to guard against compromise. It's to pray for your persecutors, to pray for their souls. And 
You know those people who have been horrible to you and you just can't stand them? Pray for them and your heart will be changed. Pray for those who persecute you. Continue to stand. Continue to make your stand. And most importantly is pray for boldness. Pray for courage. Draw on the Holy Spirit's power. That's what the early church did. In the face of persecution, in the face of opposition, they said, Lord, grant us the power. Grant us the grace. Grant us the boldness to declare you, to speak of you unashamedly and courageously. It's important to make the point that sometimes it's not persecution. Sometimes people are treating us badly because we've been stupid. (laughs) 1 Peter 4 verse 14 says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. I mean, just basically saying you've got bad social skills as a meddler. (laughs) You're just difficult socially, and then you go like, oh, I'm being persecuted. Some things are not persecution, okay? They're just you needing to up your EQ, SQ, whatever it is. So don't play that card. I'm suffering for Jesus because I wasn't invited to the movies by my friends. I mean, that's not suffering for Jesus. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear his name. Why are we being persecuted? Why are we persecuted? Ultimately, because we speak of the one we love. How should we feel? When we're persecuted, we should feel honored and we should rejoice. What should we do when we're persecuted? We should do more of the same. (laughs) We should do more of the same and draw on the power of God. And what should our attitude be? Our attitude should be, it's not about me. It's about the King of Kings and it's about the Lord of Lords. It's not about me. I get to play a small part in advancing the kingdom. I get to play a small part. And what a joy. What a joy that I get to. I get to play a small part in moving somebody from one to two or seven to eight or from nine to ten and bring them to Christ. I conclude as I began. Our value system needs an upgrade. What we value needs to change. We need to value Jesus. We need to value the kingdom. And we need to stop seeing persecution and suffering for Jesus as something bad but we need to see it as something that is amazing. As we stand up for what is right and true and good, let's deem it a deep privilege and a deep honor.